In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. When our basilica was first consecrated, the title given to this church was Cordis Mariae Transfixum, the transfixed heart of Mary. We might say the pierced heart of Mary. That title is taken from the Gospel of St. Luke, when Christ is presented in the temple as a baby. The prophet Simeon approaches our Blessed Mother and says, This child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be contradicted. And you, he said, speaking to Mary, you yourself a sword will pierce, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be disclosed. For centuries, Christians have contemplated the mystery of Mary's pierced and sorrowful heart. We celebrate today the titular feast of our Basilica, the Solemnity of Our Lady of Sorrows. Our celebration itself is a sign of contradiction. What we celebrate is a terrible mystery. The anguish and sorrow of Mary as she beheld her son, our Lord, at his crucifixion. But we celebrate it. We celebrate that mystery with joy today, with solemnity, with flowers. Why? Mary, we say, is the Queen of Martyrs. It's a curious title, since Mary is not herself a martyr, nor was she ever as much as put into prison for the faith. And yet for us who understand the mystery of Mary's pierced heart, we have to understand her as having the heart of a martyr. Better if we're to learn anything from our patroness today, we have to learn how we ourselves are meant to have martyrs' hearts. Now, when we think of martyrs, we think of those who have given their lives for Christ. The word martyr comes from the Greek martyrio, which is a legal term. It means witness. It means the same thing that we would think of as a witness in a court today. Someone who can provide testimony to the court, which in turn will enable other people, the jury, to make the right decision. So the martyrs are witnesses. That is, they provide testimony by their lives to prove the verifiability of the faith to others. They, they provide this witness by the way they live their lives, but indeed by their deaths. We know that within the church we speak of two types of martyrdoms. There is the red martyrdom, where Christians literally give up their blood for Christ in the death. But we also speak of a white martyrdom, which is a martyrdom of the heart. And if we are to be true sons and daughters of Mary this morning, it is this martyrdom of the heart which we have to wrestle with. Because while not everyone is called to a red martyrdom, every one of us is called to be a witness of Christ to others. And that means that our lives are going to require a little bit of suffering. And no one wants to suffer, right? But in today's culture, we have dismissed the notion of redemptive suffering entirely. We have become weak because of how reliant we are on instantaneous results, medicine, etc. So anything that looks to us to involve even an ounce of suffering, we run away from it. And there's nothing new. This is what I've been saying for a few weeks now. We avoid the suffering of the cross for Jesus because everything else just seems more appealing or more important to us. And we, don't, we may not think about it that way in the moment, 
when we skip Sunday Mass, or when we continually fall into the same sin without any attempt to stop ourselves. But when we act this way, we're telling Jesus that he isn't important to us, that he isn't worth the effort that's required to be a faithful Christian. But then, when things don't go our way, we immediately get angry at God. We lose our job or someone in our family gets sick. We feel the sting of betrayal. We didn't get something we wanted, a promotion, an opportunity, whatever it is. Anything like that that makes us upset, which makes us suffer. And when that happens, it's suddenly God's fault. Why doesn't God take this away? God doesn't love me. Maybe there isn't a God because this is happening. We see any sort of hardship as something that God wouldn't possibly allow, and so we can't tolerate it. And guess what? That sort of thinking makes it into all sorts of places in our lives, doesn't it? Every single couple that has got married right here on this spot, every one of them said the same words, for better or for worse, for richer or for poor, in sickness and in health. But then the moment something gets rough, that's it. I didn't think marriage was going to be this hard. I'm seeing it more and more with young couples today that say they don't want to have children because that would mean they would have to give up the time they like to do with the things they like to do. It would require them to change their lives. So you see why we need a sacrament for marriage? We need grace to assist us. But we're conditioned at this point to always avoid the cross. If it itches, scratch it. If it feels good, do it. If you're cut, put a Band-Aid on it. That's the way we think today, because we've made our own feelings and our own comfort the most important thing in our lives. We are not only the most technologically advanced society in history, we're the most selfish society in history. But Mary is showing us by her life that it is in the mystery of human suffering, identified with the sufferings of Christ, that we find redemption. The cross is only torture unless you love. Waking up at three in the morning to feed a baby is only torture unless you love. Now, does that mean it's not annoying? No. Does that mean that you're not going to be tired when you get up the next morning for work? No. But the cross is only torture unless you love. Now, we have become so fundamentally we have to become so fundamentally convinced that any suffering we endure in this life is a suffering which God himself permits for our salvation. So Christ didn't suffer against his will. At every moment of his passion, Christ the Lord was willing his suffering as a sacrifice to the Father. If the cross is just torture without love, where is the love then in Christ's death? It's this that what he suffered, he did for you. For you and for me, out of love for us. Christ offered his own human bodily suffering and his total rejection as a sacrifice to the Father for our redemption. The cross is all about sacrifice. That's the only thing it's about. We are meant, because of love of God, because we love our friends and family, we are meant to sacrifice back to God the sufferings of our life to identify them with the sufferings of Christ where they take on meaning, real meaning. And it's, it's difficult to put into words exactly how you do that. 
But we've all had those experiences where we feel like we put a lot of effort into something and it seems like it's going to work out, right? Or we see someone else helped because of all the work we've done, right? That is an experience, is a microcosm of the power of the cross, of offering our sufferings like Christ as a martyrdom of the heart. Now, there's a shadow side to this, right? There's the white martyr, and then there's the one who plays the martyr. And this is the person who's always the victim, where it's always, woe is me, no one loves me, my life is filled with suffering, and it's your fault. It's your fault. It's never my fault. And you know, those people really do usually suffer a lot. But they can never identify it as something they can offer, as something they can endure for not only their own sakes, but for the sake of others. Because the only person who matters to them is their God, me. Mary, on the other hand, she suffered immense pains. She had more suffering than any of us could imagine, watching her own perfect son die in a gruesome way. And how is she acting? Is she there looking for someone to blame? Is she there condemning everyone around her, condemning the Romans, condemning the Jews? No. She's there quiet, offering up her suffering as a sacrifice. She totally surrenders herself in that moment. She knows there's nothing she can do about it. And that's the greatest part of it, right? That she has to let it happen. And so many times that's our suffering as well. We want to take the cancer away, but we can't. We want to take their addiction away, but we can't. All we can do in that moment is be with them, suffer with them, pray for them. And then we bring that back here to this altar, to the only place that suffering actually has meaning. Our sufferings become so much more meaningful and so much more effective as a witness when we suffer them in a Eucharistic way, when we offer them to God. Mary suffers, but she suffers with joy. This line of thought, it reminded me um, last night of a funny moment in the third Harry Potter book. Right? Someone's going to write a letter now to the bishop saying, I quoted Harry Potter in a homily. Either way, Ron Weasley is supposed to be trying to predict Harry's future in divination class. And Ron looks into the teacup and he says, you're going to suffer, but you're going to be happy about it. What a great summary of the Christian life. You're going to suffer, but you're going to be happy about it. That is the captivating thing about Mary, that Uh, And that's what really will captivate our our friends and our loved ones with our sufferings, is if we can suffer with joy, with love. The cross is only torture without love. We will really be witnesses if we can endure what it takes to be Christian, and we can endure it with joy. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.